Well, welcome everyone to the Watermark Family Ministry Podcast. My name is Wes Butler, Director of Family Ministry here at the Dallas campus, and I am pumped to be joined by two friends who serve with me on staff here, David Peniel, Director of Student Ministry, and Rebe Long, Coordinator of, what's your title? I don't even know. Wake Women's Coordinator. Great. And what does that mean for those who may not be familiar with Watermark Community Church? Yeah, great question. Wake is our ministry for students 6th through 8th grade. Um, And then as the women's coordinator on that team, I help service uh, by recruiting um, and training our female volunteers. Uh, So female young adults who are going to lead small groups grades 6 through 12 actually help with the recruiting onboarding and training processes there. Um, and then I oversee as uh, students, female students, pastoral care, grades six through eight, and then kind of keep keep tabs on all of our leaders uh, on the girl side of things. So a really easy and simple job is what I hear. Yes. So when it's me, David, I'm here. When, <laughs> when, when Rebe uh, or when, when young ladies are in the worst time of their life, Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Okay. Rebe's in charge of pointing them to Jesus Christ. We get to hang out. Yes. yes, yes. Well, and as a dad of a now freshman in high school, I have benefited greatly from Rebe's ministry, oh, uh, so both kind. to her leaders and to her directly. So I'm thankful for that. Rebe, how long have you been on staff now? I have been on staff six years. That is crazy. It's wild. Um, and so, and then David Pinyol. David, tell, tell him a little bit of the history of how in the world you're here and all that good stuff. Rebe's a rookie. I've been been here for 17 years. Now, how am I here that Steve and Marcia Peniel were in love? (laughs) No, no, no. No, I'm just... So this is a different uh, episode of the Watermark Family Ministry Podcast. I've been around Watermark for 17 years, working with students, grades 6 through 12. Did a little bit of time, similar to what Rebe is doing with 6th through 8th grade. Spent seven years with ninth through 12th, and now I get to do a little bit of everything. And I'm really excited. Side note, it's not podcast isn't about it, but we just started regeneration for students, a recovery ministry for students in grades six through 12. So check that out, podcast yes. listeners. I love it. I love it. So I want, I have actually had this idea for a while of getting you guys in the podcast studio to talk to parents specifically about the things that you guys have observed. So David, you've been doing this for 17 years. Rebe, you've been doing this for six years here at Watermark and longer than that uh, before you got here. But um you know, we say often in our ministries that a lot of our ministry really is just pattern recognition. We're looking and we're seeing uh, things that repeat themselves and the the results and the return of that. And so I wanted to get you guys in here to talk to parents about the pattern recognition that you guys have, um, you know, just noticed over the years of the parents whose faith is really making a, a difference and marking the lives of students. And so, David, I heard you speak at the Wake Parent meeting mm-hmm. uh, just a few weeks ago as we were kind of setting up those new sixth grade parents for, hey, this is what Wake is and what our junior high ministry does. And uh, and I love just the, the three principles that we're going to cover today and wanted to give you a chance to share that. And then for us just to talk about what this really looks like in the life of uh, our church. So I know uh, this was a question that's been posed to you many times of, hey, what, what are the healthiest kids at Watermark have in common? And so what, what's been your observation in that? Yeah, a lot of times, knowing that I've been here for a while, I've seen kids start in sixth grade, graduate, go through, graduate from college, and come back. And and people have asked me, like, hey, having seen all of that, what what is the common thread? So I'm pumped to give you the answer to that. Um, and so really, I, I think you can sum it up with one thing, but then break it down and, like, how you get to that one thing. And so I think here's the way I would say it. The single 
most powerful predictor of healthy kids is at least one parent whose life is being transformed by God, like continually being transformed. Not it happened a long time ago. I walked the aisle, I prayed a prayer, and now I just kind of go to church every Sunday, but God is continuing to do a work in my life. And if, if that's happening in at least one parent's life, uh, I see a pattern where that also happens in their children's lives. So this answer isn't really creating a lot of job security for me because my answer isn't, they're in one of our wonderful, incredible small groups. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that helps, obviously. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But man, I think the most powerful thing, powerful, is if the home that they live in, the person that is responsible for stewarding and shepherding their life and caring for them, if their life is being transformed by God and the kid sees that, that to me, in my observation, is the most powerful predictor of healthy kids and, and really healthy adults. Yeah. I see they're, they're, them become healthy adults. And so what I'd love to share today is uh, just three characteristics, like unpack what that means. Like, what does it mean to be personally transformed by God? What are the characteristics of a parent who's being personally transformed by God? So I'm just going to jump in. Yeah, and David, I'd love to just say here, I mean, I think uh, what you're saying and what you guys have observed is really, if we just kind of take it back to the biblical uh, you know, what, what God set in place from the very beginning, the family was always intended to be the greatest influencer on the life of a child. So what you guys have observed is just, hey, the, the Bible actually tells us that this is what's going to happen. After and all, we're watching it. We're watching it play out in real time here in our student ministry. Turns out God was right. That's right. So one of the ways I've said this is, uh, you know, I do believe that, that uh, God can feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. But the most typical way that God feeds 5,000 people is not with five loaves and two fish. It's to order enough food for 5,000 people. And that the family is that like, hey, this is how God intends to feed and, uh, you know, disciple your children. Now, student ministry, children's ministry can be the five loaves and two fish if we need it to be that God might want to use and has in a lot of our lives when parents haven't stepped up to the plate. But man, what an opportunity that is missed by parents when they don't uh, avail themselves to what the Lord intended for them and then uh, lead out of that so that their children are, are blessed by it. Uh, well, absolutely, Wes. And so thinking of in Luke, when it's just that processional that Jesus is coming right before he's about to be crucified and um, all of his followers are excited and are yelling, you know, this is the king, this is the Messiah. And the Pharisees are like, don't, don't call him in that. And, um, and then they tell Jesus, tell them to stop. And Jesus says, if they were quiet, the, the rocks would cry out. Um, and so God's plan A is for his people and specifically God gave you, you know, those children to raise. He didn't give them to David and I. And so remembering of you were God's plan A, um, but if you are silent, the rocks will cry out. Um, and just I'm reading in my own time in the word in Second Kings right now and knowing that uh, time after time I'm reading that the bad kings follow the patterns of their bad fathers before them. Mm -hmm. And so just that like, ooh, he followed, either he followed in the ways of David or he followed in the ways of his father um, and how detrimental that is. And yeah. so just- Good. So David, talk to us about what are those three things then that, that you've seen? And just to clarify, God yeah. has given Rebe and I no kids. We're good friends, <laughs> but <laughs> right. we're, we're not raising any kids together. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. um, <laughs> 
<laughs> just Thank wanted you. to make that. Dave, would you like to tell us a little bit about your family? I do have kids, and yes. I have a wife who is also good friends with Reby. We love Reby. Um, my wife's name's Allie. I have an 11 year old. At the time of recording of this podcast, I always hate time sensitive things in podcasts, yeah, yeah. but sometimes I listen to them years after the fact. So, for what it's worth, um, <laughs> I have three kids. I have an older son, a middle son, and a youngest daughter. You can guess how old they are. There you go. Um, but yeah, I, it's a blast raising them and trying to apply this stuff that I've observed. Yeah. Man, I'm in a really great position because I've gotten to watch hundreds of families raise kids and really be close with a lot of them and see, oh, this seems to be effective in helping people follow Jesus and uh, live as salt and light in this world. And this seems to be ineffective. And so I, I've got a great vantage point and yeah. hopefully I'm able to apply all of that in the way I'm parenting my own children. So uh, let me get back to where I was before the three characteristics of parents who are being personally transformed by God. Number one is this, uh, a humble authenticity about their own need for transformation. So a parent that is humble and authentic with their kids is open with their kids about their weakness and their brokenness and their need for a savior, their need for transformation. That's your starting point. So Romans 3.23 says that everyone has sinned, not just kids when they're young and dumb and they're making mistakes, but me, dad has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. And if our kids are gonna know that's true for themselves, they need to know that's also true for us. First um, John 1, 7 and 8 calls us, uh, it says, but if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And doesn't every parent wanna have fellowship with their kid? They wanna feel close with their kid. When they're little, when they're in junior high, when they're in high school, when they're in college, like for all of their life, you wanna have fellowship with your kid. And if we're going to have fellowship with one another, we got to live in the light. And then when you live in the light, sometimes that can be ugly and scary. That's why I'm glad John doesn't stop here. He says, and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. And so my encouragement to parents is, man, live in the truth, live in the light, let your kids know that you're a sinner in need of a savior and let them know that your savior is Jesus. And that will point them to Jesus and it'll also draw you guys closer to one another. Um, if you're honest about your brokenness uh, as a parent, it makes you seem less threatening and less condemning to your kids. It opens up a line of communication and now you guys can share in the goodness of God together. So I really think authenticity bridges the gap between us and our children and it allows them to see us and connect with us in a real way. Um, and we become, we're always parent child, but then in Christ we become brother and sister. And now we're on this journey together. Um, so, and Reby, you got any, any examples of that, of like um, parents you've observed through your time in ministry where you've been like, man, this parent was humble and authentic about their need for transformation. God entered in, did a work, and that impacted the kids. Yeah. So. Um, the origins of the story start before um, me or our lives intersecting, but just the Spur family. So Jim Spur um, was an alcoholic and just kind of marked by dependency. And uh, his kids will say they remember uh, him having to be escorted from the dinner table um, by his wife, you know, just getting drunk and too drunk to stay mid-meal. Mid um, and when Jim got a DWI, 
when his uh, his daughter was in fifth grade. So he got a DWI and uh, went through regeneration. Is kind of a ooh, this is serious. Like I should I should clean myself up kind of thing. And through going through regeneration, Watermarks Recovery Ministry, um, just really for the first time, kind of met that I am broken and in need of a rescuer and. Um, this head knowledge and heart knowledge connect for Jim and just that transformation catches on with his family. And so um, for Jim, right, like his kids had seen just the ways in which he'd abused a substance for years and him getting to own that with his kids. And then especially as now uh, both of his children are in high school um, and they're in their upperclassmen years. And so um Nothing's new under the sun, right? The same temptations call, and they haven't used uh, Jim's past, you know, as license to go. Well, it worked out fine for Dad, um, but really to see uh, the seeds of when Jim really started living for the Lord and owning that with his kids of like, man, I've I've caused hurt, I've written harm on this family story, um, and humbly just takes that to his kids. Uh, they don't respond in great free for me to try that as well, but as a, hey, I want some of that Jesus that my dad's now following, living for this transformed life, is that's more attractive uh, than the fleeting sweetness of the sin that Jim, that used to entangle Jim. And um, because they, because the kids knew the bitterness and then to watch Jim own that, um, the kids are going, man, I, I don't want to test the warnings like my dad did, you know, and I'm thankful that he's that he's owned that with me, and, and I want to, with my dad, live out in promises. Well, like, and as that story is being told, uh, just last week at Shoreline, our gathering mm-hmm. of ninth through 12th graders, Lauren, Jim's daughter, got mm-hmm. baptized and in front of hundreds of her peers, uh, boldly proclaimed her need for Christ and her need yeah. for a Savior and wasn't ashamed or embarrassed of her own sin and brokenness because she'd seen her dad model that and her mom model that. And then, and then see the transformation, hope, and life that comes in when you do that. And she's living that life and then sharing it with hundreds of others. So not only did that dad impact his own children, but is having an impact on others through his children. Right, yeah. that Lauren Spur will stand in front of people and say, man, I have been marked by caring what people think of me, um, being just addicted to approval of a man and so on and so forth and kind of list more of her story uh, for the masses to hear. Yeah. You know, it's huge because she, because her dad did that with her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's important for us to, to recognize that uh, not all of our stories look like Jim's story, right? And, uh, and yet Philippians 1, 6 is true for all of us, that the one who began this good work in us is faithful to complete it, which means that we're all works in progress. Mm-hmm. And so uh, whether it's dramatic life change, like a freedom from alcoholism, or whether it's just, hey, man, I, I remember my dad was really impatient and unkind, and I saw him confessing that to me and, uh, and working through that and confessing that to others, and I've seen that kindness grow in him. I mean, that can be just as impactful. And so, I mean, I, I know that's a daily struggle for me is I have to confess to my kids, hey, dad blew it you know, and, uh, and I, I lost my cool or I was impatient or I just wasn't very kind to your mom or whatever it might be. And just to own that, but that transformation too, as minor quote unquote, as we might want to think that it is, it is a work of the spirit that our kids need to see. Yeah. It's a daily thing. So parents, we're not saying dig up your deepest, darkest, most significant sin from your life and make sure you tell your kids today. 
they're, you're going to have sin in your life today. Mm-hmm. Own that with your kids today. Like start there. So when we have an evening soccer game and I'm coaching and I haven't eaten dinner yet and I get hangry and the game's over and one of the kids is coughing and my wife runs into CVS and she's in there too long and I get out of the car, slam the door, I walk into CVS in front of everyone and I yell at my wife, what is taking so long? And then I get back in the car and I tell the kids to stop messing around and I'm short with them and we get home and there's tension. I sit down and I say, dad blew it tonight. I was hungry, that's not an excuse. I was impatient with your mom, I was impatient with you. And guess who that story's about? It's you, Wes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That that story was me. That sounds really familiar, though. That story was me. And uh, I have the opportunity when my flesh shows and when my sin takes over and I quench the spirit to then yield to the spirit of God and show them I need Jesus in this moment. Just like I needed him in my big major crashes and burns before. And so question for parents to consider, how have you shared with your kids in an age appropriate manner, specific ways that sin has broken your life and exposed your need for redemption and healing. So I would encourage you, um, you know, especially if you're, you're married, you've got a spouse parenting with you to talk through that together. How have we shared with our kids in an age appropriate manner, ways sin has broken our lives and exposed our needs. So our kids know that we need Jesus. So uh, let me go on to the second one. Is that cool? So here's the second characteristic of a parent whose life is being transformed by God is an obvious devotion to and understand to to understanding and obeying the Word of God. So, um, and I, I say obvious. I want to emphasize that that you're not only devoted to understanding and obeying God's Word, but it's obvious. Your devotion is obvious to their kids. Um, so Psalm 119 verse nine, and then I'll also skip ahead and read 105 from Psalm 119 says, how can a young person stay pure? And doesn't every parent listening to this podcast want your children to stay pure? The answer to that question is by obeying your word. And then later in that chapter, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And so we want God's word to, uh, instruct and to guide and to shepherd our kids' lives. And it will do that uh, in so much as they see that happening in our lives. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So Do you want your kids to stay pure? Do you want them to find their path in life? Do you want them to understand where they go wrong? Do you want your kids to be equipped to do good? God's word is the key to all these things. And they're probably not going to read it and apply it unless they see you reading it and applying it. Um, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, then if you guys have any examples of this, I'd love to hear them. It says, don't you realize in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize. Run to win. Athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that'll fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And so this passage is just a call to discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, I would encourage every parent, if you don't have it, if you can't can't answer the question of, hey, what's your time, place, and plan for spending time with God? uh, To do that today, 
to go, all right, I'm going to put in the calendar and I'm going to tell somebody, this is my time, this is my place, and this is my plan for going through God's word. And then how am I going to share that with my kids? Do yeah. my kids know that I'm doing that? And what's happening in that time? Yeah, yeah. Look, this was really impactful for me as a kid growing up. I mean, my my bedroom was right across the hallway from my dad's office, and uh, and it was every morning five a.m. that that light would come on in his office, and I knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't just getting ahead on you know his next business deal that he had to you know get to or making his appointments for the morning or whatever. He was spending time in God's Word. I would walk in there uh, and you know see him with his highlighter out and just taking those notes. I mean, that impacted me. Uh, in my family, perhaps more than just about anything else that my parents uh, did. That said, it was also, I think it's important for us to go, hey, this is not just about uh, reading the journey and kind of checking the box every day right. or uh, you know, having a Bible reading plan. It was about the way I saw that making an impact mm -hmm. in my dad's life and then how it even informed areas of our family uh, you know, so that when we would talk about why we didn't spend that money that way, that we were looking at God's word or why we didn't watch a certain... Uh, show on TV that all my friends at school are watching on TV that we go, well, hey, this is what God's word has to say about what we put in front of our eyes. And so not just the um, the commitment to putting that on the calendar, but also seeing it mark our lives in that way. Yeah. The the devotion is to understanding and obeying, yep. like applying God's word. Um, yep. I, I, you know, when I talk to students and I'm seeing transformation in students' life, Sometimes I ask them the question, hey, how have your parents influenced your faith? I'm especially curious about that as my kids are getting older. Um, and I've had, uh, you know, Ramey and Riley Rice, uh, Maddie and Allison Jackson, Cameron Pino are, are some of the kids that I remember specifically. Their answer was related to their parents um, being daily in God's word and sharing that with them. So they'll say things like, you know what? Every day. My dad texts me at least one verse of something that he's learned and just a little bit about what that's meant for him and what he's praying for me that day. Every day I know I'm getting a text message from my dad. That That's incredible. And how easy is that to do? Mm -hmm. Like it's powerful and it's simple. Yeah. Um, I remember Cameron uh, confessed something to our small group and they encouraged him to confess it to his dad and he was terrified. And But we said, hey, we, we really think you should. And then the next week he said, hey, guess what guys, I did. And every day after that, my dad's been sending me scripture to strengthen me and encourage me. Um, and so, man, God's word is powerful and it is effective. Yeah. It is sharp, Hebrews 3 says, and, and it cuts right to our heart. It's words, if you're listening to this podcast, the most powerful words you've heard so far are the scriptures that we've yeah. quoted. Um, and so... Man, for, for the the parent who's devoted to understanding and obeying God's word, um, they're the parent that has a lasting impact on their kids. Yeah. Rebe agrees. I agree. <laughs> That's I agree. good. Well, um, uh, yeah. So, so David, yeah, the yeah. questions to ask on that yeah. are, and I already kind of asked, is what's your time, place, and plan for spending time with God? And then, do your kids know? Do your kids know today what God is revealing to you? through his word. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, ha have you talked to them about that? Yeah. So I don't know if my kids can remember it now, 
after we're at the end of a school day today as, as we're recording this. But this morning, I talked to them about Hebrews chapter one mm-hmm. and uh, specifically about how Jesus sustains our life. And we talked about the word sustain. I don't know if they could recite that back to you, yeah. but I talked to them this morning about what I read in God's yeah, word and you can do it too. Yeah. And, and look, for all the uh, kind of bad press that we give to technology, one of the gifts of technology is, hey, I can send my kids a text and, and encourage them with God's word. And so they're going to be texting anyway. Why not fill that up with, hey, this is what your dad learned, or hey, I was thinking about you and I prayed this for you, and just checking in with your kids. So if you do have older kiddos and they've got uh, that phone, this is an easy thing that you can do just out of the overflow of your own time with the Lord, just going, hey, here's what God taught me. Uh, And then I'll also put in a plug for the Shoreline app. You know, I was Mm -hmm. talking to Jermaine earlier this week about that app is there for our kids, but I've got it on my phone because I want to, uh, to look at that, see what my kids are reading, talk about it with them at some point in time so that as they go to small group and they're going to be engaging with their small group leaders, we've already had a conversation about that as a family. And so parents, if you have your kids in our uh, high school ministry here, the Shoreline app, if it's not already on your phone, hopefully it's on your kids' phones, but put it on yours. And we're walking through Philippians 3 right now. What a great passage of scripture mm. for us to spend time in and to help our kids make sense of. Uh, and then, you know, the other thought there is, you know, Todd talked about this past weekend as he was kicking off the sermon series, just the simplicity for him of the Proverbs Mm -hmm. of, hey, there's 31 Proverbs. And so if it's the 12th day of September, like it is, as we're recording this, I'm going to read Proverbs 12. And so we did that as a family uh, this morning as I took my kids to school and we just picked out one of those verses and said, hey, this, this is what this means. This is why it matters for your school day today. So there's so many little simple things that you can do. And so take advantage of that. Yeah. And guys, don't get overwhelmed with the options and then get froze and not do anything. Just start simply and simply start. Like, yeah. And so Wes just gave you two or three really easy places to start. Pick one and go if you're not already doing this. Yeah. So three characteristics of parents who are being personally transformed by God, humble authenticity about their own need for transformation, obvious devotion to understanding and obeying the word of God. And here's the last one, uh, an uncompromising commitment to prioritizing God's provisions of community and service. I want to say that again, an uncompromising commitment to prioritizing God's provisions, not obligations, but provisions of community and service. So uh, in the book of Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well uh, to serve one another. And so I know as parents, one, one of the most important things to us is who my kid is friends with. Like I, I'm, I want my kid to have good friends that they can count on, that will encourage them, that will kind of share the same morals and boundaries as them, will support them in their decisions. Um, I also want my kids to be a source of encouragement and hope and strength to others who are hurting or are lost or confused. I want my kids to serve others. I want them to serve our church. And so if I want these things for my kids, I have to go first. Like, do I have good friends? Am I connected to the body of Christ? 
um, in a way that like is unbroken. It is really connected and dependent and strengthening. And am I making a contribution to the body of Christ? Am I using my gifts to serve others? And so I think that is a great question for parents to answer is kind of a fill in the blank of, um, could your parents fill in these blanks for you uh, and say, hey, my mom or my dad is influenced by this group of people. Like these are their group of people and, and their station on the battleship, the place that they're serving at this church is this. Like if my kids can't answer, uh, I think it's Clint and Russ and William. If they don't know those names, something's off in my life. They're not seeing me abide in community. How can I expect them uh, to surround themselves and connect themselves with great people if I'm not doing that? And in the same way, if, if somebody says, hey, what does your dad serve at church? If, if they don't say, oh, he serves ninth through 12th graders in student ministry, he, and he's out this night and out this night doing these things, um, then again, something is off. And so that what we're thinking about what these healthiest kids have in common, they have parents who have made the commitment to live in community with, with great people. And they have given the time and the talent and the treasures that God has given them back for the good of others and the glory of God. And so we got lots of stories of that. Any come to your mind, Reby? Yeah. So I think, um, man, I've just had... Reby dozed off there for a little bit. We had to wake, wake her up for this answer. <laughs> I did not. Y'all were just, y- y'all gave such great examples. And I was like, hey, that that takes the cake. Um, so there's there's a group of girls I've been walking with since they were in sixth grade and, and now they're juniors. And um, it is neat to see... Um, just how that that bleeds into even the kids when they go. Um, I've watched the way my parents have demonstrated this kind of quick to confess or quick to be known or, um, man, I've got to lean into this relationship. And um, and they start to imitate that as now they're juniors. And so they can all drive now. So stay off the roads if you want. But um, <laughs> so they're all driving. And it was incredible of kind of what I've been calling them to for years, what my co-leaders and I. I should say, have been calling him to for years, um, is that, hey, let's let's pursue relationally outside of group. And so we would, when they're in middle school, we'd assign like lunch buddies and say, hey, your goal is to get lunch after church one time this month, like have your parents drop you off at North Park, eat in the food court, pick you up again. Um, and that was, that was going well, but multiple times this summer, because my small group and I all kind of frequent the same spots um, for eating. We all love Flower Child. And um, multiple times I would run in to pairs of them with each other um, and just doing the due diligence to keep up, to check in, hey, how was that camp? How was that trip? And, um, and really asking each other the hard questions. And that's less of I don't think my co-leaders and I can take as much credit for that as the kids who are doing that pretty faithfully know that, uh, in my circumstance, know that their moms are doing that. That's how their moms live out community is, hey, there's four of us in this group, but we're constantly getting together, two of us at a time, to push in, to press in and go, okay, you shared this and I want to know more. You know, um, hey, been praying about this. I'm I'm checking in now, follow up with me. And um, and really to watch that um We've we've tried to practice that, but that's that's first learned and demonstrated best in the home. Um, my small group girls don't watch my community time, but they know how frequent. Uh, they couldn't tell you who's in my community. I mean, I've told them they don't remember, but they know who's in their parents' community because you're involved in each other's lives. And then likewise, 
their parents are demonstrating service. And so plug for starting blocks of uh, as early as, you know, what do we say? Like fourth grade, you could serve with a parent and starting uh-huh. blocks. Yeah. And, um, and so, man, we've had students in Wake who have been serving for years in starting blocks with their parents. And I think by the time they're 12, they can kind of, they don't have to have a parent in their same class. Yeah. Uh, so they're still with other fully trained, equipped adults, um, but they can kind of have some autonomy there of, okay, my mom isn't in the same classroom I am. She's maybe down the hall. She's in red, I'm in orange. Um, But just that, man, their parents have been instilling, we give our lives away. Mm -hmm. Sundays are not, Saturdays, whatever day, plug for Saturday service, um, is not a day that's just ours that we lay out or watch a bunch of football, but it's a day where we are the body and and we're never on break from that. we're, we're always looking for a way to be God's hands and feet, and that's demonstrated. Is it Avery in your small group whose dad serves uh, with the camera? Yes, yes. And, and so how have you seen that impact her? Because it was really cool to see her come with her dad when he was coming to serve at an event by operating a camera, and she just watched him serve yeah, the so, whole time. Yes. So um, Avery, uh, Avery Cole, so her dad, um, her parents are divorced, and her dad brings her and her brother to Watermark in he um, just knows like, hey, I, if I am a fully devoted follower of Christ, then part of living out like James 1, I'm not just a hearer of the word, I'm a doer. And so um, he has been actively serving in just a ton of ministries and uh, one of the, you know, single parent families, single adults and, um, and is involved in kind of the production side. So operates cameras uh, at Saturday services and um, his his kids come and attended wake on Sundays because that's when their small groups did. And so, but as a single dad, they had to come with him. And so they would sit through different things and then they just really caught that vision. And so Avery now serves in starting blocks on Saturdays and her brother Davis, when he was in fifth grade, started also operating cameras. And that is incredible. And I love our arts team for that, uh, that they go, we want to let students operate thousands of dollars of equipment because we (laughs) want them to go to college and like the all of the ministries at Watermark agree with this same vision of we want students to not go to college and go, well, I don't really know what it is to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, you know, but that they would go to college and go, I know what biblical teaching sounds like because I've I've been in corporate worship um, for years, right? I know what community should look like. I know how to create that because my small group has been training for that. And I've been watching my parents do that. Um, And then I know what my gifts are and where I can be used and utilized because I've been called to serve, to be a member at Watermark. I've been called to serve and we're calling junior high kids to that. And so the goal, right, of the arts team is like, we're going to let 11-year-old guys operate way more than, you know, any of us make uh, worth of camera or video equipment or sound equipment because we want them to go to Baylor and make vertical ministries better because they can operate sound on a C700. And so parents, we could create all those opportunities and cast all that vision. Those kids aren't actually going to do that and show up and do that, Um, specifically the coals, right? Um, unless their dad was doing that yeah. first. And if anybody has an excuse to not have time to do that, it's a single parent. Yeah. And yeah. yet he's decided this is a priority, not only for me, but for my children. And that's yeah. a great example for all of you listening uh, to really just wrestle with like, where are my kids seeing me serving so that they can find their own place of service? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story that we've shared uh, uh, 
quite a bit around here is Kate Blocker's story, you know, and, you know, Kate was, uh, you know, just wanted to serve with mom. And so asked mom, hey, can we go and do this? And so mom jumped in and they started serving. And I think they started serving in starting blocks originally in our preschool ministry, and then eventually kind of followed those kids up into kindergarten and first grade. And then mom actually got to where she was like, I don't know if I can keep going. But Kate wanted to continue and she was old enough to be able to do that. And so, you know, Kate stayed with that same group of girls all the way through fifth grade. And then she graduated high school kind of as they graduated into our student ministry. And fun story, Kate emailed me last week and said, hey, Reby, because I've been around Wake so long. Kate was there when I was here uh, when I was first starting. And she said, the girls that I was in Crossroads with are now in sixth grade and I'm away at college. But Wake Retreat, I know, is these days or these dates in October, can I come on Wake Retreat? And I sort of was like, Kate, I will fly you down. Where are you? Um, <laughs> but I just was like, yes. Are you kidding me? Of course you can continue to invest in these girls' lives. That's incredible. Yeah. It started with mom. It started with mom. It started with dad and just seeing them investing their lives in the life of the church. And so and we, just, we don't want uh, our kids playing church, but if they watch us just play church, just go and fill a seat consume some, uh, you know, ministry and then go home and it doesn't make an impact in their lives that our kids will follow suit or they won't, honestly, when, when they see something that, um, you know, that, that's just not that inspiring, then they're not inclined to go, well, Hey, I got to make sure this is a part, but when they see mom making a difference in that classroom, and then when they see that community group, uh, gathering together and supporting each other and praying for each other, I mean, those are things that our kids are great observers that they can, they they can understand and they are always watching. And so it's why we say, Hey, discipleship is really not an option for a parent. You're going to disciple your kids. And it's just a matter of what kind of disciple are you making? And we cannot uh, expect our kids to turn out uh, differently than us, quite honestly. Now, again, God's grace intervenes in that. Uh, He moves in ways that we've seen all around here uh, when those examples have not been great and when parents have not taken that responsibility. And, And some of us, again, are products of that grace of God. But parents, you are... Uh, God's kind of plan A in the steel. And so don't miss out on that opportunity. We're speaking in generalizations. What do the healthiest kids have in common? It's a parent whose life is being transformed by Christ. And, and, and that is a generalization. The opposite generalization is also true. What are the most unhealthy kids at the end of their tenure with us have in common? Uh, you can try to point fingers and cast blame at, well, that small group wasn't very good or you know whatever it is. Uh, but I would say the opposite is true. Like the most powerful predictor of a nominal, you know, believer that is not being transformed is a parent that is that. Yeah. Um, and so they they go the way of mom and dad for sure. I don't know if you want to land the plane or I got one more story if you want it. Yeah. So just uh, as you get ready to share that story, just to let uh, our listeners know, we're uh, all of this is on our blog. If you go to watermark.org slash blog, uh, David has written up just a blog post for us that covers these three principles. We'd encourage you to share that with your community group, with, uh, with, with other uh, folks that are in your life, just to encourage them. And then maybe for you just to spend some time uh, with those that you are closest to going, hey, what is it that we need to do? What is that transformation that that we long to see take place in our lives that our kids would witness in us, whether it's a, a freedom from a, an addiction or whether it's just, man, this is just an area where I'd long to see God taking ground in my life to consider, hey, how is our community group, are our kids aware of 
what we do as a community group, why we meet on a regular basis and, and why it matters and that these are also people that are in their lives. And so, I mean, take some of these principles that you've heard and really consider uh, what this looks like because we long to see stories coming out of uh, our ministry uh, here at Watermark and, and really all the student ministries around the, yeah. the world that, uh, that we can acknowledge really has nothing to do with the student ministries. It has to do with faithful moms and dads who are just carrying out the mission. And can I just say, if, if you're a parent of teens and you are hearing this and this is all new and you're going, okay, well, this would have been better if I'd heard this when they were eight or when they were five and really lived this out, today is the best day to start yes. and endure whatever level of eye rolling or cynicism you get from your kids for the first couple weeks maybe um, and just keep going. The, the life change mm -hmm. that will sustain, I mean, they will they'll be waiting for you to give up on it, right? And they go, okay, this is just a thing. Mom and dad heard some podcast or they went to some conference and now they're all jazzed about it, but we'll see if it sticks. Yeah. And I'm like, just start today and start including them on that. Start owning your mistakes, start asking for forgiveness and then um, showing them the joy that you find from giving your life away. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, today is the best day to get after it. And, and I would just say too, if that eye rolling continues beyond the second week and it continues maybe for the next 20 years right. or until you go home to be with the Lord, the benefits of doing this is this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what faithfulness looks like. And so we say often in all of our parenting ministries here is that our, our goal is just our own faithfulness. We, we are not, I will not give an account for what Josiah, Salem, Malachi, and Ella Butler do with their lives. I will give an account for what did I do as their father? And, and was I faithful with these opportunities? And then gosh, the blessings that come to us when we are authentic in our own walk and that we get to live in the light, when uh, the, the blessings that come to me when I am a student of God's word and allow it to inform and educate every aspect of my life, the blessings that come to me when I am using my gifts to bless the body and engaged in community, this is what God has intended for us all. And so it's not wasted effort. Uh, if, uh, like you said, Rebe, I love what you said. It's not too late to start, but even if, even if your children don't respond to this transformation that takes place in your life, it is not wasted time because this is your walk before the Lord. It's where it's at. Um, okay, well, I, I'm going to close with Colby's story in yeah. his own words, and just to set this up, you know, there's a kid that starts going to small group, and uh, the leaders take notice pretty quick that. Uh, over the weeks and months, this kid really seems to be paying attention and eating this stuff up, which is sort of the exception. Uh, kids can tend to drift towards apathy and they're too cool and, you know, whatever. They're busy, distracted. But this kid was really hungry for God's word and they began to see his life change. And he's uh, starting to openly confess struggles that he has and he's seeking counsel and he's taking it and actually applying it. And so they started to lean in a little bit and, and grab Colby after small group and be like, where did you come from? You know, he, he hadn't been just there the whole time. Uh, and so Colby shared their story and they're like, David, you got to hear this story. And so they put me in touch with this kid and I had him write it down. And so I just want to share with you uh, what Colby said about his parents and, and may some of these similar things be said about all of us. So here's what he said. He said, we started going to Watermark in 2013 and then my parents' relationship was not really the best. They still stayed together, but they fought a lot and didn't really know how to resolve conflict at all. My dad in particular would end up yelling at me over things a lot, and our relationship was pretty bad. I did not feel comfortable coming to my parents to talk about anything serious at all. 
and so I just kept most things to myself when there would be family discussions. Pretty soon, after we started going to Watermark, my mom tried to get my dad to do re-engage, but he did not want to for a variety of reasons. So re-engage is uh, a, a marriage ministry here at Watermark. But long story short, that ended up in multiple fights that were pretty audible to me and my sister. And somehow, after the last one, my dad gave me an agreement uh, to do re-engage with my mom. So he gave, sorry, he gave in and agreed to do re-engage with my mom. I'm not sure about the timing of when their relationship started to improve, but after they started re-engaged, I noticed my parents would not fight as much, and I saw my dad overlooking things he typically would have gotten angry about. Their relationship wasn't perfect, but I saw improvement, and my relationship with my dad simultaneously improved as well. Another thing that improved was my parents' relationship uh, with one another, maybe even more than re-engage, has been re regeneration. My mom started regen and just finished it in February, meanwhile convincing my dad to do it as well. My dad is a little less than halfway done in regen, and the entire family has seen massive improvements in our relationships with each other because of that. My parents can actually go through conflict peacefully and not yell at each other every single time. And I notice that they are more friendly toward each other and their community group. My faith was pretty weak before any of this happened. But when my parents' relationship started to improve, I realized that only God could have made a good relationship out of the previous relationship that my parents had. And my faith definitely grew as a result of that. I'm definitely inclined to believe that God can change me after seeing my parents completely change. God can do whatever he wants, which includes changing me. I now feel more inspired to seek God because of what he did with my parents. I felt and still feel like he wants to change my life and my family's lives positively. Uh, and I should be seeking him more and more diligently. So those are the words of a young man whose parents have a humble authenticity about their own need for transformation. They've displayed an obvious devotion to understanding and obeying God's word, and they have demonstrated an uncompromising commitment to prioritizing community and service in their life, and his life is changed. So he's going to be one of those healthiest kids. He's going to mm -hmm. be the one that's making an impact on his college campus, that's coming back to Dallas, is making an impact here at Watermark, and it's because... He, that he had at least one parent, in this case two, whose lives are being transformed yeah. by God. Yeah. yeah, and Lord multiply uh, the Colbys uh, in our ministry. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, uh, hey, David, Reby, thank you guys so much for sharing you this. Guys. And just, uh, and, and listen, parents, if you are a Watermark parent and you have your kids in our student ministries, you are a blessed individual. I am so thankful for the ways that our student ministry uh, loves our kids, calls them to high standards, uh, pushes them towards Christ, provides great leaders whose lives are uh, are worthy of following that can help support me as a parent as I'm walking through this. And so, man, uh, David, if, for those of uh, who may not have their kids in a small group yet, how can they do that? And how can they plug into the ministry here? Yeah, so if your kids are in grades six through eight, just go to watermark.org slash wake Dallas or grades nine through 12. It's watermark.org slash shoreline Dallas. And just there's a small group button on there. You can sign up online and they'll plug you right in where you sign up. And typically within a week, uh, one of our volunteer leaders will reach out to you and let you know when and where they're meeting. And your kid can jump in with other kids in their grade, same gender and, and geographic, geographic area to just study God's word, talk about how it applies to their life and then share their life with one another um, with uh, 
trusted adult leaders who are members of our church, they're safe people, have been trained to lead that time, uh, to care for them, point them to Jesus, model what a life of devotion, devotion looks like. So we always tell kids, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so we're trying to put leaders in front of them that are worthy of imitation. And we hope through this podcast and many others like it, that parents are leaders whose lives are worthy of imitation as well. Yeah. It's so good. Well, listen, thank you guys uh, for being here on the podcast and thank you listeners for, for uh, tuning in. And I hope this has been an encouragement to you and a help to you. Uh, please take these resources, head to the blog, watermark.org slash blog, share it with others uh, and be encouraged. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the Watermark Family Ministry Podcast.